Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Marrakesh, Morocco with my new friends Dan and Izdahar Skidmore of RiyadLavi.com. Izdahar grew up in Morocco, and during a vacation, a business opportunity presented itself. So now they own a boutique hotel that blends old world charm and modern conveniences. In this episode, we talk about visiting the Bahia Palace, exploring the Hardin Secret, and hitting the slopes at the exotic ski resort. Hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Morocco, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Marrakesh. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Dan and Izdahar, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Hi, Lee. Today we're talking about Marrakesh, Morocco. It, it's a city that I've I've heard a lot about, uh, just like the name, but I've, I really didn't really know much about it. And what's your connection to the city? So I grew up in Morocco, and my mom is Moroccan. My dad is American, so I lived part of my childhood there, and that's my origins, right? And then Dan, I've always spoken so highly of Morocco, so he was dying to go. We ended up taking a vacation, and he absolutely fell in love with it. So really, my roots brought us back to Morocco. Well, that's fantastic. I've seen the pictures of, of the place that you run there, and it is absolutely gorgeous. You know, if somebody just sees those pictures alone, they'll want to book a trip. I almost booked a trip, literally, when I, when I got the pictures <laughs> from you. <laughs> well, it's not too late. We'll get, you, we'll get you hooked in before we're over with this conversation. Absolutely. Sure. You, you may hear my, my keyboard clacking as we're recording this episode, so that way I, I'm booking my trip. So, <laughs> so for, for people not familiar with uh, where Morocco is in the world, can you tell us uh, where, where it is? So Morocco is just south of Spain and Portugal. It's on the same latitude as uh, California, and it's actually shaped very similarly. So it's right on the edge. Well, it's got borders on the Atlantic and the Mediterranean Ocean, northwest Africa. Okay, fantastic. Marrakesh, from what I saw, is pretty much right in kind of like the middle of the country. Yes, Marrakesh is centrally located, closer to the south. But yeah, it's a good uh, central location in Morocco. So if people are planning to come visit Marrakesh, what time of year should they plan on visiting? The weather is so wonderful in Morocco, and especially Marrakesh, that year-round is the best time to travel, any time of the year. Yeah, we really don't have a, uh, a down season, per se, because even in December, it's still very, very comfortable. And so we get a lot of visitors from cloudy, rainy Germany and England or Iceland and people just bump down for the weekend to experience 85 degree weather in December. Uh, and then in the summertime, you know, you can expect conditions similar to like Phoenix, Arizona, California, uh, where it's hot, sunny and uh, gorgeous for whatever activities that you want to do. Oh, that sounds amazing. So when, when people come to visit Marrakesh, obviously, you know, both of you were in the United States and you came there and ended up ultimately staying there. How do we actually travel to Marrakesh if we want to visit there? Are there direct flights or do we route through Europe? Uh, how does that work? 
Yes, there are direct flights. Uh, there are direct flights from Washington, D.C., New York, Miami, and then there are flights from Paris, typically, so either Paris or Lisbon, Portugal. That's the easiest way to, to bump down from the States. But yeah, you fly in and you can fly straight to Marrakesh and the other main airport in uh, Morocco is Casablanca. And that's about, about an hour and a half north. And we make shuttle trips regularly to pick up visitors as well from Casablanca. But either option is great. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So say we're flying in directly into the airport there. Do we need a visa in order to be able to enter the country? No, not at all. Very easy to get here, and uh, and you can stay for, I believe, 120 days before you need to punch back out and uh, get your ticket rehacked. That was something that, that we encountered uh, over the last two years. I, I overextended my stay, uh, but Moroccans are very friendly, and they're super accommodating, so it's really not an issue. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And then... Obviously, both of you speak English very well. How does it work as far as when, like, say, me, I don't know uh, really any foreign languages. Is English spoken well there, or is it something we need to learn a little bit of the the local language before we come? Morocco is a Francophone country, so they speak French, Arabic, and English is coming around. So now a lot more people, especially in the tourism sector, are speaking English. But I speak Arabic and French, and so that's how we get by. Otherwise, I mean... English is perfectly, perfectly fine. I always tell all my friends that come or anybody that I'm talking to that anybody that you actually need to talk to will likely speak English. So most people that are there that are in the tourism industry that you're going to be working with, they probably speak seven languages. They've got a handle on Spanish, German, French, Arabic, English, and you know everything in between. They might speak some Chinese because Marrakesh specifically is so tourism centric. The service providers there have really learned all the languages. And so English being probably number one past Arabic and French. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's one thing I really admire about a lot of other countries is that they, whether the children or the adults, most of them know multiple languages. And and here in the US, we kind of just rely on English. And and I wish that I, I mean, I guess I'm not dead yet, so I, I could still really do it. But I really wish that I had learned more languages growing up. Yeah, well, and like you said, hey, it's never too late to learn. And uh, and that's one thing that we do with one of the English schools there is if people want to learn, if they want to take an Arabic class, uh, it's very accessible. And it's really not a difficult language to learn once you kind of have an understanding of it. But it's available to everybody. And also, if you want to you know, have a translator, there's plenty of people that you can hook up with and make sure you miss absolutely nothing and you get the best rate for whatever goods you might want to pick up or a carpet or make sure you have the best experience. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So kind of speaking along those lines as far as you know, buying things uh, as we're there in the city, are credit cards accepted widely or do we need to get some local currency? You know, how does that work? Well, you know what they say, cash rules everything around me. And so uh, making your dollars into dirhams is very simple. Uh, the currency rate, you just get it exchanged. Every, everything is for sale in Morocco and you can barter for everything, but it's basically a cash system. However, with visas, American Express, MasterCards, that is accepted at hotels, riads, major, you know, supermarkets, restaurants, you can use your cards. You can also pull out more cash from the ATMs if need be. You know, sometimes people struggle with knowing how much cash do I need to bring for this vacation, right? So bring enough, but with Morocco, as long as you have a card with you, you've called your bank ahead of time to let them know you're traveling overseas, you can pull out more cash from ATMs or just use your credit card or debit card at the end. 
That makes a lot of sense. So definitely if you're going to travel international, get a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees. And then one of my favorites is the Charles Schwab checking account because they actually reimburse you for any ATM fees anywhere in the world. So that's definitely one of my favorite travel tips. Okay, so if we're flying into Marrakesh there, getting from the from the airport to the city, is there public transportation? Do we rent a car? Do we just grab a taxi? What's the best way to do that? Well, the taxi is the is certainly the fastest way, but the rental car agencies are really easy to work with. And we're very, very close. The, the Marrakesh airport is right there in the city. So you're less than five minutes from really the downtown square. So All options are available to you. And it's really how adventurous do you want to get? You can do it all on your own, rent a car for about $30 a day and drive everywhere yourself. You can take public transportation and do the negotiation and really get that kind of exotic experience speaking with the locals and the drivers or whatever hotel that you're staying at. For example, with us at Riyadh La Vie, we provide transportation for our guests. So it's a private shuttle that comes and picks them up. There are no hassles, no worries, and you're able to get around that way. So really, anyway, also you can walk. Like Dan was saying, it's so centrally located that you know, the airport, we've actually walked to the airport before. You can walk around in a lot of parts of the city. It's a very walkable and walker-friendly city. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, because I, I think that a lot of times you know, when people travel, especially going to a foreign country, they're a little unsure of the, the surroundings and the situation. So it's great that, that you offer shuttle service, that some of the taxis are, are really easy to work with. Because sometimes when you're going out of your comfort zone, adding the extra layer of renting a car and trying to understand the regulations of the roads, trying to find parking is just way too much. And, and people just stop and they don't even make the trip because they're, they're too overwhelmed with that. Exactly. It's really how adventurous do you want to get and how, you know, what do you, what's the price you want to pay for convenience as well? Right. Absolutely. So obviously, you know, your property is, is an amazing place to stay. If people are coming to visit, is there certain neighborhoods that people should look at uh, staying or certain hotels? Like what, what are your options as far as that goes? So from my opinion, I always recommend that people stay in the most exotic parts of the city. So the Medina is the ancient city in Marrakesh. There's also the French quarter of Marrakesh that's been newly renovated. It's more modern, right? It's something you would see in any modern city. So I always recommend go with exotic, right? Go with something you've never seen before. So the neighborhoods in the Medina are amazing. Most of the neighborhoods have renovated Airbnbs, Riyadhs, little boutique hotels that foreigners have come in, expats have come in and renovated and turned them into these little boutique hotels for guests to stay. So I always recommend staying with something like that. However, you have larger chain hotels available to you as well outside of the city. There's the Radisson, there's the Four Seasons, um, the Sofitel. There are those larger chain hotels if that is what you're looking for as well. Yeah, I, I look at it as like, you know, you don't want to stay in like the cookie cutter hotel where you can't tell if you're in Marrakesh or Boise, Idaho, right? <laughs> you want to get that, that local experience and be able to, to kind of just have something really cool, like a cool story to, to tell when you come back, you know? I think that's really amazing. You've mentioned the word Riyadh a couple of times. Can you tell the audience a little bit, what does that mean and, and how does that differ from like a hotel? So a Riyadh is really a boutique hotel. And I've said this term many times, but what a Riyadh means, it's a old Moroccan traditional home that has a courtyard in the center of a home. And then all of the rooms basically are centrally located wrapped around that courtyard. So they're just old traditional Moroccan homes, four-story homes with a central courtyard. 
the other thing is that it's an open air system. So you stand in the in the center of the courtyard and you've got a beautiful view of the sky and then all the rooms are around the outside. And because we're in the Medina, the ancient Medina, it's connected to everything. And so houses are really right next to each other. And that's where you see that those alleys. And uh, uh, it's, it almost looks like a scene from Aladdin, if you can imagine that, where the homes are built right next to each other in ancient times. They were used as the uh, like the sultan's workers or, you know, different quarters for the people that worked and supported the kingdom. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think also just like the design of like the Riyadh that you mentioned versus like a hotel. Hotel, like, right, you got the hallways and really not a lot of opportunity to really kind of hang out and meet people versus the way that your yours is set up. It's almost like you can relax out there and enjoy the, the little bit of the nature and enjoy the night sky, but also maybe strike up a conversation with somebody that's right. It's like staying next to you. Sure. And all of the other bigger hotels in Marrakesh or in Morocco in general, they all have the very Moroccan flair. I wouldn't say there's any necessarily cookie cutter, but then you have all the way down to like a hostile feel. Ours is not that. Ours is uh, a boutique hotel, really. So we've created it with the uh, the custom artisan work and kind of set up those uh, areas where you can hang out and you can feel really at home in it, in your area and have the full Moroccan experience. And the reason we added the word hotel to it is because we do provide the amenities of a hotel. So if you want to eat at the restaurant, you can. We have a little pool. There are spa services. There's a concierge to set up your excursions. So those services that you would find in a hotel, we provide that. But it's on a much smaller scale with a lot more of the local and authentic flair. So it's very exotic. Oh, that sounds amazing. So. I went on the, uh, the visitmorocco.com website and they have a, a great information about Marrakesh. Same thing with the visitmarrakesh.com website. Obviously, they have their different interests as far as what they're trying to promote. You as locals, uh, what are some of the things that you'd recommend people do when they come to visit? Well, I mean, it really depends on if you want to live the adventurous life, the beautiful life, the chill life. There's options for everybody. For me, I, I thought some of the things that we've done is like a horse carriage ride. And those are available in the in Elf now where you can just go and sit and get taken around and see a lot of different parts of the city. You can do a hot air balloon rides, a walking tour with somebody that speaks your language. So you can understand the history and the culture and uh, and get a feel for life in the Medina. Or you can just go to a, a beautiful pool and relax. I mean, there's endless options. Is What do you think? One of the things that Dan said about a walking tour, I think that would be the perfect way for any tourist to start when they first arrive to Marrakesh. What a walking tour does is you have a guide that speaks your language, whether it's Spanish, Italian, English. They meet you after breakfast you walk for either half a day, it could be two hours, four hours, eight hours. It's really up to the guest and what they're what they would like to experience, but it could be as short as a couple hours. They orient you through the city, they take you to the major attractions, they explain the history of the city, you get oriented with the neighborhood that you're staying in, as well as explore other attractions that you may want to go back to and see later. So it really helps open up your itinerary of presenting you different options. So that way the rest of the trip, you can choose what you would like to continue doing. You know, Dan mentioned the hot air balloon. He mentioned the square that's there in Marrakesh. You see all of that. And so when you decide of what you want to do later in the trip, you've already been exposed to parts of it and you can then pick. 
one of the other really nice things about the walking tour is that you can get lost in the labyrinth of the, the souks. And so you can go deep down in and find goods and barter and shop and, you know, really feel the experience yeah. by getting out and, uh, and and walking around, which is, and it's totally safe. Everybody's welcoming. You, all the shop owners will, will be very welcoming, trying to get you in to, you know, have you into their shop. And probably invite you in for tea. So that's to be expected. And the great part of that, Dan said you get lost in the city. The great part of having a guided walking tour is you have a local with you at all times. So you may feel lost, but he is there to make sure you are able to communicate and take you right back to where you need to be. Yeah, one of the things I saw that was really cool on the Visit Marrakesh website is that a lot of the hotels there actually offer day passes if you want to just hang out at their pool. Even if you know some of us are traveling and we're on a budget, you know, right? We're we have our families and uh, you know, we have limited incomes in some cases and everything. And so maybe you can't stay at like that four star, five star hotel experience, but you still want to stay someplace nice, like, uh, like your Riyadh. Uh, but maybe that doesn't have a pool, right? And so you can actually go to just get a day pass for some of these really nice pools and be able to relax there and enjoy the water and, and, uh, the settings. I love that you did that research because that is absolutely correct. There are so many cool spots and Marrakesh is a rooftop city. So all of these little hotels or restaurants or cafes, they have phenomenal rooftops. Some have pools on the roof, some don't, but you can basically hotel or restaurant or cafe hop, right? And by getting these day passes and checking out other spots, you don't have to stay at this place that's $500 a night, right? But you can go in and you're welcomed. You can eat lunch there. You can swim there. So yes, we definitely recommend doing that. Like check out everything because everywhere is so welcoming and the day passes are great. It's they're, they're so affordable and it allows you to experience just another style. Fantastic. So let's talk about some of like the, the things that we really need to do when we're there that obviously some of them are a little touristy, but that's cool. We, we, we can't come to Mar- Marrakesh and like not do some of the big things. Uh, what are some of the, the, the main things people should do when they're here? So you said touristy and yes, they are definitely tourist attractions. However, most of the stuff in Marrakesh, it's so unique and authentic and exotic. Like I'm throwing out all these words, but it's so different that it really doesn't seem touristy because when I think of touristy, I think long lines, you know, everybody's doing the same exact thing. It's a cookie cutter type of deal, but any of these main attractions that you go to, they're predominantly surrounded by Moroccans and the locals. And it's a piece of history that you're learning about, right? So I recommend going to a couple of the palaces. We're about a two-minute walk away from the Behia Palace. It's a gorgeous palace that has ancient tile work and plaster work and wood carvings. It's just really, really gorgeous if you're into art and history. Admission, you it's a if not free, it's cheap, like maybe one or two dollars to get in. But you go in there and you do see other foreigners, but you see Moroccans and it never feels touristy because it's not jam packed. There are not lines out the door. It's not like an amusement park where you're constantly waiting in line. So any place that you visit, you have to visit it. It's a main attraction for a reason. It tells the history and it shows the charm of that city. That makes a lot of sense. I was looking around. I saw some things that obviously there's a lot of different mosques and and churches that are there as well. Anything that really kind of uh, there's certain highlights we want to see as far as that goes? Yes, the Kutubiya Mosque is the tallest mosque in Marrakesh, and it's right there, visible from the major square called Jemefna. So the Kutubiya Mosque is, you see it on a lot of postcards, it's right there. You can see it from the outside, you can visit the tombs on the outside as well, but unfortunately, mosques are unlike churches where you can't go inside of them. The only mosque that you can go inside of is located in Casablanca, but unfortunately, Marrakesh doesn't have any that you can 
access. Um, but you can really enjoy it from the outside and take beautiful pictures of it. So we would definitely recommend seeing that. I mean, it's right there, visible from all different parts of the city. And I will say that if any listeners decide to go to Casablanca, it is 100% worth it to take the tour of the Hasenteni Mosque in Casablanca. It is absolutely gorgeous. And the tours that they give inside explain the different uh, architecture. They explain the hemam. They explain the jalige work, which is the intricate tile. They go into how they actually do the the tedelect, which is the the dehumidifying uh, substance that they use for the hammam, custom to Morocco. So they do a great job, and that's absolutely worth the trip up there. Yeah, that sounds amazing. One of the other things that, that seems pretty amazing is there's a lot of different really amazing gardens uh, throughout the city. Uh, I saw one that was like the, uh, the Hardin Secret. There's the Jardin Secret, like you said. That one is beautiful. It's in the Medina. And then there's Jardin Majorel, which is all blue. It's They call it Majorel Blue. And Jardin Majorel was designed and owned by Yves Saint Laurent, the fashion designer that everybody is super into right now. And the other garden that we should mention is La, La Mamounia, where Winston Churchill used to come and paint in the gardens, actually. So that's very picturesque and uh, definitely worth a day there. When you mentioned Yves Saint Laurent, uh, I actually saw that there's a, there's a museum there in Marrakesh for Yves Saint Laurent as well. Yes, right next to the Jardin Majorel, and it is absolutely worth visiting. There's a Berber mu- museum within that as well to tell about the Berber history, who, you know, were, they were the original inhabitants of Morocco. But yes, the gardens are beautiful, and the museums associated with them are also great. That sounds fantastic. Now, one thing that, uh, that you kind of gave me a little... Uh, preview of before we started recording is there's a exotic ski resort. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you don't really think of ski resorts when you think of Africa. Yeah, absolutely. So from the rooftop of our, our Riyadh, you can actually see the Atlas Mountains, which is the high Atlas Mountains. And within that is the, the highest peak, which is called Tupkal. And another peak is called Okamden, and you can take a about an hour drive from the downtown Marrakesh and be up in the mountains where there's Berbers, and it's uh, very very cool. Now the the ski resort they have a, a lift. It's not as functional nowadays, but the way that they ski up is you pay somebody the equivalent of what would be like twenty dollars, and they will take you on a donkey. They'll take you up the hill and then you can ski back down and then they'll pick you back up and take you back up the hill and you can ski back down and it's all <laughs> holding on on the back of a donkey. Hence uh, the term exotic <laughs> resort. But the, but the hill is great. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful spot. It's got uh, snow on it, basically, probably still, but it's it's very, very beautiful out there and, and worth a hike if you're into doing any hiking as well. And we thought it was worth mentioning just because you don't think about skiing when you're in Africa, but you can absolutely do that in the winter in Marrakesh. That sounds so fun. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the food while we're there because you can't, you know, food is like such an integral part of traveling and everything else. What are some of the, the places we should try when we're there visiting Marrakesh? Well, it really depends on what you're into. Because there are you're so close to Italy, you get some uh, Italian flair, but the Moroccan food is phenomenal. Uh, a dish called tangia is like a slow-cooked beef and uh, garlic dish. The tagines are excellent. Everything is so, so fresh and organic there because it's everything grows in Morocco. So restaurants like uh, one's Pepinero, we list it out. 
La Trattoria. There's a phenomenal Asian food. Uh, is the, what do you think? Dan mentioned the Moroccan cuisine, and that's where I would start. Moroccan cuisine is Mediterranean, right? So Mediterranean meaning that a lot of olive oil, olives, spices. It's not spicy, but it's full of flavor with different spices like paprika and cumin and things like that. So definitely trying all of the Moroccan dishes. You can start by having a great experience by going to Dar es Salaam, a lot of little restaurants like that are well-known in Marrakesh will offer a five-course meal of all the main things you must try in Moroccan cuisine, followed by a belly dancing show. So you get the whole like Middle Eastern experience. But you also try different salads, different main dishes, different tagines. Tagine is a, like a little clay pot, right? That is what the food is cooked in. And it's named a tagine because of the dish that it is served in, but you can have anything from beef, chicken, to vegetarian. Marrakesh is known for tanjiya, and that's the picture that I had sent you of that other little urn, clay urn-looking thing, but that's like a beef stew. It's all great, and like Dan was mentioning, because it's so international, you've had other people come and start different cuisines there as well. Italian, Spanish, Turkish, Asian. I mean, you can find it all in Marrakesh. It is truly a foodie city for any kind of cuisine that you want to try. And also, we'd be remiss to not mention couscous, which on every Friday, that's the traditional meal is couscous. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Now, one of the things that, that I was reading about is that there's like the King's Palace where he invites the single guest to, to come and eat with him. Yes, yeah, so the Royal Mansour is one of many dozens of palaces that the King of Morocco owns. This one is located in Marrakesh. It's right next to La Mamounia that Dan had mentioned about the beautiful gardens in Winston Churchill. That is where the King invites his distinguished guests. However, they have also opened it up to the public. If you can afford it, it is a very nice dinner. But they have a really nice Moroccan restaurant, a very, very elegant presentation of the main dishes with a little bit of a flair in that restaurant. It's absolutely worth it for any special occasion that you may be coming to Morocco for. And everything is presented so elegantly from just the dresses that the waitresses wear to the traditional dress that the men wear. It's all very authentic and very Moroccan. The music, the food, it's truly an experience that you absolutely have to try. Yeah, like you said, it may be expensive, but sometimes that's what part of like what travel's all about and and getting those once in a lifetime experiences that you're going to kick yourself later on if you didn't try it. It's very worth it. If you can swing it, that's a uh, a must see spot. And aside from just the restaurant, just going in and seeing that palace. I mean, it's just gorgeous from the marble tile work, every detail they have paid attention to. It's it's truly fascinating. For sure. Now, we, after talking about all this food, you know, we're probably going to need to rest a little bit and relax and, and everything else. One thing that uh, I was reading about on your on your website is something about a, a traditional Moroccan hammam. I guess it's a, a kind of like a spa. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? So a hammam is like a steam bath. If you've ever done a Turkish bath, it's similar. So you're in a room. It's a wet sauna, essentially. That's how Moroccans traditionally bathe themselves. They still have local hammams all over the ancient city, all over Marrakesh, actually all over Morocco. But now they've opened up even more, I guess, fancier hammams for the tourists or for those who don't necessarily want of too local of an experience, right? Where you want it controlled, you can actually go in there with your husband and do a couple's spa. But it's a bath, right? You're you're being bathed from like a body scrub, your hair is washed, you're in there in the the wet sauna. It's a very relaxing steam bath. It's it's nice. The lighting is low. 
it's a very, very relaxing, especially after a long day of walking in the city, or if you've gone to the desert and have just come back, but you feel absolutely cleansed. Like they take layers of skin off of you and you feel like an absolutely new person when you come out of there. That sounds like such a fun experience. Dan and Izahar, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips from Marrakesh. I learned so much and I may be uh, booking my flight well, during this interview at some point. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visit Marrakesh, where should they go and what should they eat? Well, come to Riyadh Lavi and have our uh, tagine or whatever we're cooking up that day. That's uh, marhaba, welcome to our house. And uh, that's we'd love to have anybody that's coming. Absolutely. That sounds, uh, that sounds like such a great thing. And we'll, we'll talk about your Riyadh in a little bit as well. Now, you've been in Marrakesh for a little while now. Uh, what's one of your most memorable stories? Well, one of my friends uh, visited and uh, he was from America and he's actually a military guy. So we came out, picked him up. We drove out to the coast and uh, scooped him up from his work for the day. Took him to like a, a beautiful resort that we had been to before, had a phenomenal meal and uh, and then went surfing. And that's another thing that, you, that a lot of people come to Morocco to do is there's excellent waves. And so if you want to get out to the coast, you can get super fresh seafood. And that's what it's really all about for us is like connecting with family and uh, and, and sharing the experience. And, and that was one of our highlights. For me, that really showcases the hospitality of Moroccans is when we were renovating Riyadh Lavi. My husband is very hands-on. Dan loves to be in action. And so with all of our workers, you know, from the plaster guys to the tile guys to the electrician, the plumbers, he was always very involved with them. And my favorite moment was when he was carrying bags. They're probably 150 pound bags of gravel. He's like double the size of these Moroccans and he's carrying like one massive bag to each Moroccan's like half a bag. And they're just absolutely amazed by him. And they just loved how hard he was working with them. They were laughing and joking, even with the language barrier, they all came together as a team with Dan. And it just really showed how warm and hospitable they are to all nationalities, all races. And it was really a beautiful experience. And that's something that really stands out in my mind. No, I love that. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the how Dan's uh, so fit in a, in a minute as well, too. <laughs> Speaking of uh, probably being a little bit unfit, one of the things I always do is, is check out like a, like a good happy hour whenever I'm traveling. Where's the happiest happy hour in, in Marrakesh? The uh, hotel called El Fen. El Fen is an amazing place in the Medina. It's owned by Richard Branson and his sister. And Madonna had done her birthday party there a few years ago. So it's gotten all the hype recently. But it's actually very amazing, very beautiful. They have a gorgeous bar, great food, great rooftop pool, and they really put on a great happy hour. Morocco is a very liberal Muslim country, so alcohol is everywhere, right? You got you got Europeans, Americans, Asians, tourists from all over the world coming, and they're serving alcohol everywhere, their understanding of that, and El Fen does a phenomenal happy hour. Oh, fantastic. And one of the other things I do when I travel is check out the local pizza. Uh, what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Marrakesh? Oh, gosh, pepperoni pizza. I would say um, La Trattoria. It's, an, it's a nice Italian restaurant, and they do great pizza. Now, obviously, you know, you traveled a lot, both with your work as well as just in your personal life, and obviously traveled there to, to Morocco uh, to settle down. What's one of your best travel tips? Travel tips is, uh, is go light, but keep it on your back. And uh, so you can get everything you need in Morocco. We've traveled both there with only a couple pairs of pants and a shirt or two, and then picked up everything that you need. And just enjoy the experience, you know, the sights, the smells, the sounds, uh, the pushiness, and just the different, the language, right? Soak it all in and, and, and enjoy it. 
No, that's uh, great advice. I think more of us need to take that advice for sure. Now, Dan, you and I met through a, a group called GoRuck, and uh, thank you to Renee for introducing us. GoRuck, the challenge I did back in uh, June of 2013 was literally one of the toughest things I did. You're one of the cadres. You probably uh, do a little bit of the punishing for people like me that, that pay to <laughs> try to challenge ourselves. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about GoRuck? And then can you tell us beyond that what it is that, that you do as far as your, your Riyadh? Sure. So GoRuck, it's got a lot of different facets. Uh, started by a special forces soldier creating military grade backpacks, right? Basically awesome gear that you can take to war, you know, or the boardroom and wherever you're working. And so that kind of blend. But the events, we lead team building endurance challenges modeled after special operations training. And so I'm the director of training for GoRuck. So we do a workout program where all you need is a, a bag of sand and a, and a backpack. And we take you through workouts and really try to increase your capacity so that you can have more fun and stay fit when you are traveling or whatever, whatever mission you're on in life. I've been able to continue doing that while living in Morocco as well. Over the last couple of years, you know, things have shifted in different environments, but uh, we, we do events worldwide and uh, it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Isdhar, do you want to tell us a little about the Riyadh? Absolutely. Dan and I live our lives always saying yes to whatever opportunity presents itself. And so that's led us to do a lot of different, lots of different projects. When we visited Morocco for Dan's first time, he absolutely fell in love with it, with it. And we had a business opportunity land in our lap and it was too good to pass up. So we had the opportunity to renovate a old Moroccan home and turn it into a boutique hotel. And that's exactly what we've done. We maintained the structure of this old home. However, we redid all of the electrical, all the plumbing and designed it in our taste, keeping the authentic Arabic architecture and design, but making sure to add modern amenities in all of the rooms from Italian style showers to a pool and air conditioning, all of the comforts that you want. And the project took us about two years and we wanted to do this project because of our love for Morocco, our love for travel and our love to share experiences with others and ensure, you know, others have enhanced lives when they do travel, when they do come visit us in Marrakesh, we want them to absolutely live a phenomenal experience and really enhance their lives. Now, I, I've seen the pictures of what you've done to that property, and I didn't know what it looks like beforehand, but what I see now, it looks absolutely stunning. I'd love to be able to stay with you guys. Uh, so we'll include links to Riyadh in the show notes. We'll include pictures as well. And you know, it's been a pleasure talking to both of you. I learned so much about Marrakesh, and hopefully the listeners did as well. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yes, we look forward to having you at Riyadh Levy. Shokran. <laughs> and marhaba. Welcome. <laughs> What an awesome conversation with Dan and Izdahar. Marrakesh sounds like such a dream destination. I can't wait to visit with my family. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Marrakesh. We want to say thank you to Awardwall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Awardwallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Gosport, UK to speak with my new friend Tim Hill, a retired veteran of the British Army, and host of the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, we talk about the Explosives Museum, Stokes Bay, and the Isle of Wight. You'll be joining us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.